You are listening to a message from Victory Alabang. Get the latest updates by visiting victoryalabang.org or like us on facebook.com slash victoryalabang. I'm one of the staff here. I don't get to preach that often, but every time I do, I get excited because uh, it's an opportunity for me to invite my friends and family that I've been praying for to come to church. But then every time I invite them, they think that they don't have a reason to come to church. So then I give them a reason. I say, hey, I'm preaching. Come support me. And, and they do come. They do come, praise God. And as they come, they get to support me. And at the same time, they get to hear the Word of God. So that's a win-win situation. And uh, this weekend was different. They'd usually come when I invite them. But then this weekend, I had a hard time inviting them because almost all of them are on vacation already. Which makes me wonder what you guys are doing here. Don't you have plans? But, but I'm glad you're here. I praise God that you're here. But yeah, it's hard to invite people. They're already everywhere. Actually, me, my family, and I will be spending uh, our vacation, the, the Holy Week, uh, in our farmhouse in Batangas. Actually, it's my parents' farmhouse, but we will be there. And you know, Holy Week, we all get so excited. It's a long vacation. We plan it out a year before. We're already planning where are we going next year. So the focus is vacation. And me, uh, I'm excited to go to Batangas. And uh, it's a nice place where we can rest. And I figured the other guys in the office, they'll be on vacation as well. So I decided to invite them. So I go to uh, a room and I say, hey, you might want to come with us. Uh, we're going to be in Batangas from Monday to Friday. You can visit any day. And then this guy says, uh, I'd love to, but my family and I were going to Paris. Ooh, Paris. Okay, so I'm like, okay, fine. I go to the next person. Hey, would you like to come to Batangas with us? My family will be there. Uh, we'll be there Monday to Friday. Come visit us. Uh, I'd really love to, but my family and I were going to Japan. Whoa, Japan. Okay, so I'm like, what are these people thinking? Paris, Japan, Batangas. What's your choice? It's a no-brainer. Batangas, of course. It's more fun in the Philippines. Come on, guys. Think about it. Imagine, what will you choose? Macaroons, sushi, or lomi? Oh, diba? So, you know. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I invited people. Some of them are coming over, thank God. But then again, when you look at it, every time we think about the Holy Week, that's what we think about. Vacation. Where am I going? We have to be careful because we might miss the whole point of why we are having it in the first place. And why do we have it? For vacation. <laughs> it's to reflect and remember what Jesus Christ has done on the cross for us. Yes? Yes. That's why I'm glad you're here. We're remembering. All right? So it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful time to do that. It doesn't matter if you're in Batangas or in your Japan, just as long as you remember and you thank God for it. We have to be careful that we don't miss the point. Again, I stress that we reflect on what Jesus Christ has already done. You can go anywhere you want on Saturday. You can do anything you want. He's not going to be dead. Okay? There are a lot of people who think he dies every year. He doesn't. Okay? So go share that to your family. So yeah, anyway, we have to be careful because we might miss the whole fact of why we are doing it in the first place. And, you know, uh, pretty much, this is my prayer as well as we go through this series. We're already on the sixth week. And my prayer is that as we study all of these miracles, as we study all of these signs, that we would not miss the point. We've been studying the seven signs in the book of John. Um, I'd actually like to read from uh, John. It's the overarching verse for our series. It says in John chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, 
Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So we are studying the miracles, we are studying the signs, but we have to remember these miracles were done not just so we can say, wow, amazing, not just so we can look at it and clap our hands. It's more than that. The reason why it's called a sign is because it points to something with a greater value. It actually points us to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, the promised Messiah, the only one who can save all of us from eternal death and the only one who can give us eternal life. That is why John, he carefully picked all these seven signs to prove this point. In that way, God's people may receive him and they may receive eternal life. And today we are going to see what Jesus was revealing in the sixth sign, which which is Jesus heals a man born blind. Born blind. So when we talk about that, we're we're going to talk about sight. We're going to talk about seeing. And uh, among all of our five senses, I believe, of course, this is a wonderful gift that we have received. And when we talk about seeing, it is the main sense that we use to appreciate really the beauty of God's creation. We see the beaches, we see everything, the sky, and we use our sight and we say, God, you are a wonderful creator because I get to see it. Now, can you imagine losing your sight? I don't think you'd even like to imagine that, right? But just, just for a few seconds, so that we would have a picture of what this man we're studying was going through. Can you just humor me? Can you all close your eyes now? Okay, so just close, <laughs> close your eyes. So, come on, look at the person beside you. They're trustworthy. So just close your eyes, okay? Close your eyes, no peeking, no peeking. Okay, with your eyes closed right now, can anyone try to go from this hall to Starbucks? Any, any takers? Come on, I'm giving chocolate. I'm kidding. Okay, you can open your eyes now. So you see, having no sight while you're seated, it's, it's fine. A lot of us do that every Sunday, you know, sitting in our seats and closing our eyes. Uh, but it's a different story when you have to do something and you don't have sight. You know, imagine if you, ha- if you were to go to Starbucks. I mean, I, I, I could imagine that you could try, but it will take you at least... 10 times longer than usual and not without bruises maybe. Like you might run into a wall or you might roll down the stairs and you even might end up breaking things. So, okay, just don't try it anymore because I don't want people to come to me and say, hey, I broke something, pay for it. So forget that I said that. But then, yeah, when you think about it, not having sight, it's really something that we could not imagine, especially right now. Uh, We live in a day and age where there are generators, there are really bright lights, So our idea of darkness is quite different from the darkness that that man was experiencing. Our idea of darkness is what? Having a nightlight. You know, having that spark of light still having our cell phone while we sleep because we're scared, you know? Kumong, you're scared of darkness, of ghosts. That's unchristian, all right? So don't do that. Okay, so anyway, uh, it's hard to picture that. And I was thinking, when was the last time I experienced this? Did I ever experience what this man was experiencing? And it brought me back to my experience when Typhoon Habagat hit our country. So I was uh, in my room watching TV. I didn't want to go out of the house because, uh, of course, I wanted to stay safe. So as I was watching TV, all of a sudden, it was pitch black. The power got cut. So, hello, brownout. Again, more fun in the Philippines. So uh, 
all of a sudden, lights, was, lights were out, pitch dark. So I was like just sitting in my bed and I, I was saying, okay, I'll just wait it out. Because usually when brownouts happen, uh, unlike the 90s where they lasted for hours, right now if the power gets cut after 5, 10 minutes, it's back on, right? So I was just sitting, okay, I won't move. I didn't want to move because, again, I didn't want to run into anything. I didn't want to go rolling down the stairs. I wasn't moving. And I'm pretty sure that that was what was happening in the house as well with other people. But there were people shouting, brown out, brown out, (laughs) as if it wasn't obvious. (laughs) So anyway, I was just sitting there. And after five, ten minutes, the power, it didn't come back. So I was like, okay. I'm just going to try to lie down. Okay, so I, 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 I was lying on my bed and I eventually, uh, I eventually fell asleep and I woke up the following day. Thank God for the sun. There was light already, but the power was still uh, not there. So uh, with this experience, it made me realize, you know, during that time, I could see. Yes, I could see, but then because of the darkness, I couldn't see. So there are times when we could say that I can see, but then not really see. And with the darkness, with that darkness comes, you know, fear, not of ghosts again. Fear, you know, I, I don't know what to do. I don't know where I'm going. There's uncertainty. And when you're in the darkness, it can actually cause you to be paralyzed. You cannot do the things that you want to do. You cannot do the things that you need to do. So, you see, we can claim that we have sight, but sight means nothing apart from the light. Again, sight means nothing apart from the light. We can see but then not really see. And when we think about it in our lives, what are the situations that you are going through right now? What are the circumstances surrounding you? The past days, the past weeks, what have been the prevailing emotions that fill your heart? Is it hope, faith, joy, victory? Or is it fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, defeat? You see, it can actually show you what fills your heart. It can show you if you are indeed living in the light or in the darkness. And again, if you are one who is experiencing fear, experiencing anxiety, don't worry because again, that's why I'm so excited for what we are going to discuss because through the story of this man, the man that was born blind, we get to see Jesus teaches us how not only to see the light but how to live in the light. So um, with that, I would like to invite everyone to just stand up Uh, As we read God's Word, we're going to read from John chapter 9. It's a pretty long chapter. Uh, It consists of 41 verses, but we're just going to read uh, a couple of verses. So um, just open your Bibles right now. It says in verse 1, As he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with mud and said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. We now jump to to verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. 
He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for this time. Thank you for your presence in this place. Thank you for your presence in our lives. And we thank you that you are the light of the world. That's why our prayer today is that you be the one to open our eyes, open our hearts, open our ears to receive really the fullness of your grace and what it is that you want to impart to us today. Lord, bless the preaching of your word. Allow it to transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So again, as I was saying, this is a pretty long story. It's 41 verses. As I was reading it, I was thinking, how would I be able to, you know, explain this in less than an hour? I pray that I don't go over time. But then, you know, I'm an actor, so when I read the Bible, I usually look at it and divide it uh, according to scenes. So today, as we go through the story, I divided it into three scenes. The first scene is the sign. Scene two is the interrogation. Scene three is the response. So let's start with scene one, which is the sign. So what happened? Jesus was with his disciples. They were just coming out of the temple. And then Jesus, he noticed a blind man who was begging on the street. It's important to know that it was Jesus who noticed him. There was nothing written where the man was trying to get his attention. The man couldn't see him, so I don't see how he can get the attention of Jesus. And it's important to know that it wasn't the disciples who saw the beggar. It was Jesus who saw him first. So everything that we are going to discuss today, the encounter, the healing, it was all initiated by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus walks out of the temple with his disciples, and then they see the man. And when, as they saw Jesus looking at the man, they saw him as well. And you know, these guys, they've been with Jesus for the longest time. They have been seeing him doing miracles. But instead of looking at the man and thinking, how can we help this man? What can Jesus do for him? They, they decide to launch a theological discussion. You know, try to, let's try to look smart, you know. Uh, we all love doing that, do we? So again, from verse 2, we read, And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? So they were trying to understand what caused this. Before we judge them, you know, grabe naman mag-isip yung disciples, di man lang inisip yung kapakanan ng tao. We can't really blame them because during this time, it wasn't unusual to think this way. Because these disciples, these Jews were taught since they were kids that, you know, every time there is someone with a physical disability or sickness, it's usually a punishment for sin. Either a sin committed by the person himself or a sin committed by the parents. But then it didn't really matter because that wasn't the point of this whole, whole story. This wasn't the point of this whole situation and Jesus knew that. So as usual, he wanted to correct the way that his disciples were thinking because again, they were missing the whole point. So Jesus, instead of answering them, they were asking, is it the fault of the parents? Is it the fault of the guy? Jesus was like, eh, none of the above. Uh, and don't think about that, you know. It wasn't because of sin. This man is blind. Because God's glory will be revealed through him. So instead of looking at the cause, Jesus was looking at the purpose. And how many times in our lives have we been like the disciples? Something happens to us. Uh, we face a certain trial or suffering. We get overwhelmed and we start asking the wrong questions. We start asking, God, why did you allow this? God, what have I done? God, I don't deserve this. What are you punishing me for? What sin have I committed? And again, Jesus was saying, stop looking at that. 
Stop looking at yourselves. Stop looking at the situation. He was training them to look to God, to look at His purposes because with anything that happens, there is always a purpose. So again, this man was blind not because of parental sin, not because of personal sin. It was providential. Even before time began, even before all creation, God already knew that this man was going to be born blind. And He allowed it to happen for His glory to be revealed through Jesus Christ. He allowed it to happen for this exact situation. Because if we will, if we will look at the chapter before this, Jesus made an outrageous claim. And for Him to be able to prove, to show people that His claim was, was valid, His claim was true, He needed to give this man, this blind man, sight. So again, he was blind not because of sin, but because God wanted to reveal his glory through Jesus Christ. So when every time we are faced with difficult situations, let's remember, when we are faced with difficult situations, ask the right questions. Ask, how, how, how will God be glorified in my situation? How can I glorify God through what is happening to me? Jesus was really trying to prove a point. That's why this situation happened. If we read the previous chapter, John 8, 12, Jesus says there, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. A very interesting statement. I am the light of the world. Maybe it doesn't mean anything to us right now. I mean, I could go out there, out there and just shout from the balcony, I'm the light of the world. What do you think people would say? Baliw, they wouldn't understand it. And maybe us, we don't understand it as well. But during this time, it, it, it sparked controversy. It, it, it started a heated discussion between Jesus and the Pharisees. It was so heated, it reached the point where, where they wanted to get rocks already to throw at him. They wanted to stone him to death for being a blasphemer. Now, Why? Why? He just said, I'm the light of the world. What's wrong with you? Oh, ay naman ang Pharisees. Anong ginagawa nyo? Pero, you know, we, we need to go back really to what the situation was when Jesus said these things. He said this actually during the Feast of the Tabernacles. What was happening during that feast? It was actually a festival celebrating God's guidance and providence to the Israelites when they were traveling in the desert for 40 years. They were remembering it. And one of the rituals that they did during this festival was called the illumination of the temple. So what happened during the illumination? They had four giant candelabras in the court of the temple. And when I say giant, it's really huge, like 75 feet tall. And uh, those towers had four arms each. They had four gold cups surrounding them. And so that's 16 cups. And what they would do, they would ask men to carry 10 gallons of oil for each tower, and they would spill it on the cups. And then afterwards, they would light all of those cups. So you could imagine 75 uh, foot tall towers, 40 gallons of oil being lit. That would have been a sight to see. I actually have a picture right here. That would have been a sight to see. It was burning with brilliance. And you know, it was said actually to illuminate the entire city. Now, why were they doing this? This was actually a representation of the presence of God while they were in the desert. If we remember, the presence of God was with them, guiding them, and the presence was manifested in the pillars of fire 
or in the cloud of fire. So it was light guiding them through their whole journey in the desert. They lit this, these towers to remind them of that. And the cloud that was guiding them through the desert, it was said to enter the temple, the presence of God in their temple. But then because they rebelled, they continued to disobey God and worship other gods. That presence of God eventually left the temple. But not without the promise of a return. Through the prophet Ezekiel, God promised that this presence that left would come back. My presence would come back one day to save my people. That is why when Jesus said, I am the light of the world, He didn't just mean something light. He was actually saying, the presence that left your temple, God's presence that was promised to come back, hello, I'm here already. You could extinguish all of those things because I am here. He was actually claiming to be the presence of God Himself. That's why it angered all of the Pharisees. That's why they really couldn't stand it. Jesus made this outrageous claim. I am the light of the world. It was outrageous. And people, being people, they wouldn't believe it right away. That's why if you want to prove an outrageous point, you have to do something outrageous as well to prove it. And up to this time, never has it happened in the history of mankind when someone was able to give sight to someone who was born blind. It was unheard of. That is why, again, what was the purpose why he was blind? So that God's power can be revealed through Jesus Christ as he gives this man sight. So that's what happened. Jesus spits on the ground. He gets mud. He rolls it. He applies it on the eyes of the man. What was Jesus doing here? What was Jesus doing here? Ladies, it was the first mud pack. This beauty product is brought to you by Jesus. Good sight, good skin. Anyway, he applied it to the man's eyes and, you know, he just said, wash it in the pool of Siloam. So the man, Jesus didn't promise healing, but then he obeyed. He went to the pool and when, as he washed his eyes, he immediately began to see. So can you imagine what was happening in the life of this man? This man who has never, ever seen the light. This man who has never uh, seen anything. He does not even know what light means. All he knows is darkness. And then all of a sudden, he starts opening his eyes. I'm sure all of us could relate in the morning, right? When we wake up, you know, when you open your eyes, you know, you still adjust. It's still painful in the beginning. You couldn't see things clearly. But then when you open as it adjusts, you see everything. Now, can you check the eyes of the person beside you? Does it have mud? No. He started seeing. Imagine what was going through his mind. He has never seen anything. Now, he looks up and he sees the blue skies that people talk about around him, but he can't relate. He finally sees the grass that he only feels with his feet as he walks. And he looks at it. It's color green, but he doesn't know what the color green is. You know, so what is this? This is wonderful. And then he finally gets to see the temple where he begs. It's so beautiful. And then he looks, he looks at, at, at the water and he sees his reflection for the first time. I don't think he even recognized who he was, you know. Everything was new. And every time we see something new, it's beautiful. It's magnificent. And imagine seeing everything for the first time. It would blow your mind. It would really blow your mind. It was wonderful. So 
you know, you're not sure. When, when we get excited about something, the first notion is like, come on, I want to talk to someone. I want to give someone a high five. I want to chest bump someone. So this guy was looking for someone. So he decided to go back to town and he wanted to celebrate. So this was really an amazingly unbelievable situation. But it quickly made a turn. It suddenly became an unbelievably ridiculous situation because when he went back to town, no one wanted to celebrate with him. When they saw him, they were like, is this the man? You know, they, instead of celebrating with him, they had all sorts of questions. They wanted to understand what happened. And that is that's what it, when it really gets interesting. Because this man, if we remember, the disciples were asking, who committed the sin? Why is he blind? Everyone thought he was, in spirit, he was spiritually blind. But now he could see. There's a reversal of roles here. The people, the neighbors, and the, the religious leaders who, who were supposed to be enlightened through these through this conversations, through the questions that they were asking, it is revealed that they are actually the ones who are spiritually blind. They can see, but then they were blind. So we go to scene two, the interrogation. Let's see what happens. He goes back. He meets his neighbors. Verse 8, the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but it is like him. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I do not know. The neighbors, again, they were asking, what happened to you? They were seeing, they were seeing the evidence of a miracle. The man whom they knew, they grew up with. You know, I'm sure that you, you pass by certain places and you know the beggars there. You know, you don't, might not know their names, but you know them and you know, uh, you know their faces. And you know, these people, they knew that that man was blind. I do not know of anyone who will fake blindness for more than 20 years, right? So we all knew that he was blind. And this was funny. They were seeing the evidence, but then they didn't really see. They were so focused on trying to understand everything. They were so focused on, you know, I need to understand this. I will not believe until I understand. And how many times has that happened to us? You know, in our attempt to understand everything, we, we sometimes miss the point of faith. Just believing. You know, there are things that are not meant to be fully understood. Again, there are things that are not meant to be fully understood, but they are meant to be believed. For example, our salvation. When you think about it, salvation. God. He sends His one and only begotten Son from heaven to earth to die for our sins, to pay for our sins. Sins that we have committed against Him and sins that we will continue to commit against Him. Does it make sense? Can we understand it? But we choose to believe it, right? Same thing with miracles. We can spend our entire lives trying to understand something but again, it's not something meant to be understood. The whole purpose of it is for us to see that this Jesus is God. This Jesus has the power of God flowing through him. But then again, these neighbors, they were so blinded. 
this man was so excited, they just treated him like, like a witness in a courtroom. They started badgering him with questions. And he just kept saying what happened, but they didn't want to believe. It's funny to think that this man, who he, they knew what the beggar looked like, they knew what clothes he wore, but then they would rather think that this is a totally different person. Oh, it might be his twin. Oh, it might be someone that just looks like him. They, they would rather believe that, no matter how crazy that was, rather than believe that a miracle has happened. So it's so sad. A miracle happened right in front of them. They saw a glimpse of the light, but then they didn't really see. They chose to ignore it. What's interesting, though, is this man. As I was saying a while ago, you know, when you first open your eyes, at first you don't see everything clearly yet. But as you adjust, as you continue to open your eyes, things become clear. So at this point, as he was talking to the neighbors, the man referred to Jesus as a man, a man called Jesus. So anyway, just have that in your mind. So now the neighbors, they didn't really know what to do. We don't understand it. Uh, I don't want to believe in this miracle. It didn't happen. So let's just bring this guy to the Pharisees. Ooh, the Pharisees, we love them. Uh, so yeah, we, they decided, and that's usually the custom before. When a sick person gets healed, they usually bring it to the religious leaders. So now we go to the next uh, set of people, the Pharisees. Verse 16, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? He said he is a prophet. So we see the man, he was slowly understanding. He was slowly getting to see who Jesus really is. From man, he now calls him a prophet. And now the Pharisees. The Pharisees. Ooh. They have a light behind them. They think they're so enlightened, right? So they think they could see clearly. So what did they say? A miracle has happened. A cause of rejoicing. But what did they say? Instead of focusing on the miracle, oh, this was done during the Sabbath. That is a sin. That is ungodly. Come on. Come on. How blind were they? The miracle has already happened, but you focus on the Sabbath. You focus on a set of rules that you just added to the Ten Commandments. They already saw the evidence of the sign. They had a glimpse of the light. But then they didn't really see because they were blinded. Blinded by religiosity. Blinded by legalism. Do this, do that. If you don't, we're not going to believe you. And Jesus committed a crime for them. He healed on the Sabbath. Who cares if it was good? Who cares if this blind man can now see? You broke the rules. We don't like it. We don't like you. Can't sit with us. So, you know, can't sit with us. So, yeah, in our staff, you know. So, you know, they rejected the light. They saw it, a glimpse of it. They rejected it, leaving them in the darkness. But then again, the man, the man, he called Jesus a prophet. He was slowly seeing, really. And these Pharisees, funny, they, they really didn't want to believe him. So what did they decide to do? Call more witnesses. Right? Call the parents. Call the parents. So they summoned the parents of the man. Now here we go to what the parents say. His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. So they were asked the question and they're like, oh, We don't want to answer it. Ask him. We don't, we don't really know. 
And I love the next verse because it shows what was really happening in the minds and in the hearts of his parents. It says, His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Can you imagine this? The man received sight. They knew that was their son. They knew he was blind, so there were no questions about it for them. The miracle has happened. And why would he lie about who performed the miracle? So I believe in their hearts. They, they, they believe that, oh, thank you, Jesus, for healing my son. You know, I could imagine it. You know, the man, the man comes home and, you know, just suddenly just runs to, his, the, runs to this woman and embraces her. And you're like, Mom, I can finally see Mom. Nakakakita na ako. Crying and everything. And then a woman from the back says, Anak, kapitbahay natin yan. He didn't know what his mom looked like, okay? He was confused. He, he, he saw his mom for the first time. So, yeah, but kidding aside, you know, why would he lie about this? I believe that the parents truly believed that it was Jesus Christ. But then they saw the light. They saw a glimpse of the light. They saw the evidence of the sign. But then they didn't see. Why they decided to close their eyes? Why? Because of fear. They didn't want to be cast out of the synagogue. They were blinded by their fear. They were blinded by insecurity. Being cast out of the synagogue, what are the repercussions of that? It generally meant that you cannot do any social interactions with the people of that town. So you could not talk to them. You could not buy from the market. You could not sell things. You were practically a ghost in that city. In short, get out. We don't want you here. So that was what they were afraid of. And it was really sad because they were holding on to all of these things, you know? I, I can't accept Jesus. I can't believe in Jesus because I, my family, my friends, they might persecute me. They might cut me off. Ooh, I can't accept Jesus. I, might, I, might, I can't say that I believe in Jesus. I might lose my job. My boss might get mad. Ooh, I, I can't say that I believe in Jesus because it goes against the religion that I was raised in since I was a kid. They were holding on to a lot of things. And sadly, all of the things they held on to, those are things that cannot save them. And when I say save, I'm not talking about just troubles in this world, but save really from eternal death, from our sins. Our parents can't save us. Our own good works cannot save us. Going to church, it cannot save us. Again, those are good things. But as we said a while ago, sight means nothing apart from the light. And everything that we do, all of our attempts to save ourselves, it means nothing apart from Jesus Christ. That is why it's really sad that these parents already, already saw it, already knew it, but then they decided to turn a blind eye. And sadly, every time we miss it, every time we miss the point, every time we just decide to close our eyes and not see the light, it would cost us to live in darkness, not only in this lifetime, but for eternity. So again, my prayer is that we do not miss the point. Let us not just see, but not really see. Let us decide to see, really. So the parents, kawawa, diba? they were thinking about a lot of things that didn't matter. They were blinded. They were left in darkness. Now, after the conversation with the parents, the Pharisees still weren't happy because they didn't hear the, the answers that they wanted. So they called the man back again. Come on, we want to talk to you. What? Such bullies. So I remember actually the scenes from movies, you know, where goons would torture people, electrocute them. Come on, sabi mo sa And you know, it doesn't matter if they're saying the truth. The person wasn't giving the answer that they wanted to hear. They would keep torturing him. 
So this, they kept badgering him with questions. What did they want to hear from him? No, Jesus is not the Lord. No, Jesus didn't heal me. But this man, he wouldn't budge. Verse 24, it says, So for the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. It meant confess, tell us the truth. God is the only one, not this Jesus. And he said, we know that this man is a sinner. They were saying, Jesus is a sinner. He maybe has a demon inside of him. That's why he can do all of these things. And the man answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. I do not care. I couldn't care less where he came from, what, what he was wearing. I couldn't care. He was blind, now I see. He gave me the very thing I needed. And if you cannot see it, I do not know anymore. And the man continues to say, Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin and you would teach us. And they cast him out. It was already so clear giving sight to a man born blind, that can only be the work of God. But they were still blinded by their pride. This beggar would teach us. This beggar would teach us the right thing and say that we're wrong. I would not have that. Send him away. The man, he got cast out for saying the truth, for trying to share to them the light. What a sad sight. And you know, it's so unbelievable for these Pharisees. They knew the Old Testament. They knew the law. They knew from the Old Testament that the promised Messiah would be someone who would be able to give sight to blind people. It was already so clear. How can you deny it? But that, that's the sad part about being blinded. Even if everything makes sense, it doesn't make sense for you. You would still find other ways to believe. So he got cast out of their community. And now we see in scene three the response. As the man got cast out, when he stepped out of the synagogue, he saw Jesus. Actually, Jesus found him. Verse 35, it says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. What a day for this man. It was the first time he was able to see. He was able to see everything around him. Beauty of creation. Beauty of the skies. But as he stepped out of the synagogue, he saw and he knew that he saw the most beautiful, the most glorious thing that he would ever see that day. Not only that day, but his entire lifetime. He saw the glory of God in the person of Jesus Christ. It didn't matter if he got cast out. It didn't matter if he lost his friends. It didn't matter if he lost his chances of getting a job in that town. It didn't matter. He had nothing. This is a classic example of someone who lost everything, but in the process gained everything in Jesus Christ. Can we just give God praise? And instead of being worried, Instead of, you know, living in fear, as he, as he beheld Jesus, 
Jesus was actually asking him. He knew that was the light. And Jesus asked him, do you believe in the Son of Man? He was beholding the light. But you know, with Jesus, he's, he is inviting us actually. Do not just behold the light. Do not just be content knowing about me from afar, knowing about me from other people. I want you to know me personally. The light, the very presence of God that left the temple and came back. He didn't come back to dwell in temples. He came back so that He could dwell in the hearts of His people, in my heart, in your heart. But then again, that would take you to open your heart and invite Him inside. And the man who lost everything as he saw Jesus Christ, as he got reminded of all the beautiful things, he saw the most beautiful thing and it there was no other response, really. No other fitting response but worship. This was a man, yes, but I know that this is God. I will worship Him. I will give everything to Him. I will give my entire life to Him. I will leave everything behind for this, for this light. And that was when it, it really shows us that this man was not only given sight through his eyes. The light did not only enter his eyes. It entered his very soul. And you know, in many ways, we are like this blind man. All of us were born into this world with our souls in the darkness, living in the darkness. We may not know it, but we were living in the darkness. But now that we have seen the light, as we allow Him, as we receive this light, our souls are taken out of the darkness and into His light. And once we are in that light, we get to see everything the way He does. And what a beautiful thing really life is when you have the light in you. Jesus Christ is the light that brings salvation to this dark world. You know, I don't know what you guys are going through. You may be going through difficult times when you are scared. There's uncertainty. I do not know what will happen. There's darkness all around. I cannot see the light. Let me tell you the light, it's always there. You just have to ask the right questions. You just have to fix your eyes on Him. And my prayer is that as you see the light, same thing with this blind man. He allowed the light to permeate his very soul. Every part of his life that was in the dark, as the light was shed, all the darkness, it drifted away. All of the fear, all of the anxiety, and all of a sudden, he just felt peace. He felt joy. And my prayer is that that would be our response to Jesus Christ today. Because we have already seen this light. Let's respond to it in the right way. As we are in the presence of this light, let us give Him the fitting worship that He deserves. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are the light of the world. Thank you for allowing us to see your light, your glory. And I believe today, a miracle has happened. Because again, we used to be blind. But now we see Jesus for who He truly is. The light of the world. And this light was perfectly, fully, and gloriously displayed on the cross. When He gave His life to pay for all of our sins. He had you in mind as He was doing it. 
so that the sin in our eyes could be taken away and we could behold His glory. And as we are beholding this glory right now, He's saying, don't be just content just looking at me. Receive me. Invite me in your life. And I will be the one to drive all darkness away. With all heads bowed down now and all eyes closed, if you want to invite this light to become part of your life, why don't you just lift your hand up right now? Thank you, Jesus. Again, there's no need to be ashamed. A miracle has happened here today. Don't miss the point. Jesus wants to be in your life. Jesus wants to shed His light in your life. He wants you to receive salvation. If you want to receive Him, just lift up your hand right now. Thank you, Jesus. If you lifted up your hand, you could put it down now. I would like to invite you to just say this prayer with me. Follow after me. We are going to invite Jesus Christ into our lives. And as you follow this prayer, I want you to say it with all your heart, to really mean it. Just follow after me. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for your great love. I acknowledge that I am a sinner. And now I am asking for forgiveness. I believe that you died and you rose again. And now I receive the forgiveness and the eternal life that only you can give. And from this day on, I declare that you are the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can we just give God praise?